Hello, welcome to the My Salisbury podcast, brought to you by Spirecast, producers of professional audio and live video content in Salisbury. Hi, my name's Andy Munns, and welcome to the My Salisbury podcast, where we talk to local people who live in and around Salisbury. We'll delve into their lives and what they love about our fair city. Today on the My Salisbury podcast, we're talking to Anne Munns, who just happens to be my mother. Um, the reason we're talking to her is she's Salisbury-born, Salisbury-bred, ex-teacher, deputy head teacher, head teacher of two schools, daughter of local councillor and mayoress, and grew up in a shop which many people of Salisbury would know. Hello, mother. Hello, Andrew. Um, so let's start with early life, growing up in the shop on the corner of Cold Harbour Lane and Ashley Road, Lee's Stores. What was it like growing up? And and also daughter of pig farmer, so an interesting <laughs> an interesting experience growing up, I'm sure. Well, in Ashley Road and Cold Harbour Lane, because we had the shop, we knew everybody. And it's funny, still, when I see older people who I knew from the shop, I still call them Mrs or Mr., because that's what I was taught to do in the shop. But they were all really good friends. It was a wonderful community. And my gran, who <clears throat> retired in about 1958, had what she called the Victory Association, which meant that lots of people went to fates or outings or Christmas parties or the pantomime because she spent her life really raising money so that they could do that because she recognised that Cold Harbour Lane was quite a deprived area at that time. So not just a shop, a, a community asset. A, a real community asset. And, um, you know, there would be people who'd have what you call the book, so they wouldn't be able to pay for their goods every day. So that by the end of the week, when the man of the house had been paid, she could, they'd come along and pay the book. There were people who came over to the shop every day and would buy things like one potato, two oxo cubes and a sausage, and that would keep them going for that day. So they shopped daily. So you really got to know the people. Completely different experience to, to now where we all yeah. pop out to, or have deliveries for our weekly or even longer shops. Absolutely. And um, people relied on the shop. It was open every day of the week from six o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. The only day we closed was Christmas Day. And then people would come and knock on the door because they'd forgotten something for their Christmas dinner. And you never wanted to, to, to continue the shop life. I know the shop closed but well quite early in my life but was it anything you never really interested in running your own business like your parents had no I think because I saw the stresses and strains that it caused within the family I'm the only member of the family who hasn't tried to run their own business and I just didn't ever want that but then I always wanted to be a teacher so so we'll go on to teaching you ran away to to college to train to be a teacher and then yeah, I ran away to college to be a teacher and I was in Bristol, which was like a huge revelation to me because I had never been in such a big city. I was a bit of a wimp, a bit scared of where I was, but teaching was always the thing I wanted to do. And my first job was in Southampton, where I learned lots from a wonderful head teacher called Veronica, who I had to call Miss White for the first two years because she didn't let you call her Veronica until you were really a member of the staff. Uh, then from there, I had four children and came out of teaching so I went back to teaching when the children were quite small to do supply at Highbury but what seemed like a week's contract ended up in me being there for five years from there I went to Bemerton St John where I was deputy then head at Woodford Valley and head at Highbury slash Manor Fields as it became in the end 
So I'm lots. You've taught lots of children in Salisbury, I and have. also the children of those children in Salisbury. Yeah, and um, I guess when I went to Highbury uh, the second time around, when I was head, it was almost like going home because so many of the people were still part of that school community. There were people who I taught who were parents. There were grandparents that I knew from growing up. So it really was my place. My husband had gone to the school. It was part of my life, if you like, from the early childhood. So let's go back. So you were first head at Woodford. <coughs> yep. Um, let's talk a bit about being head at Woodford, because we're a very different school to the other schools you taught at, I expect, because it's quite an affluent area, Woodford Valley, and some of the other parts of Salisbury, where you've, especially where you grew up and have been a teacher, because Highbury, you wouldn't say, was an affluent area, catchment area for kids. So probably a different experience teaching there. Very, very different. I think, you know, the move from Highbury to Bemerton St John was also similar in that, in that there were probably more families who came from wealthier backgrounds. But going to the Woodford Valley, it was a very, very tight community school. Um, there were 44 children on the roll when I went there, so there were only two classes. Um, some of the teachers were godparents to some of the children in the school. It really was like a family but in order for it to survive, it needed to grow. And that's what we decided that we would try to do. Just prior to me going, it had a very good Ofsted. And it became quite easy, really, to attract new children into the school. The teachers were fantastic, a really good set of teachers. And we were able to build the school class by class. So the team was a very, very close-knit team. The children were lovely and uh, there are still lots of the parents from Woodford that I count as my friends. I see them in town. We have good chats. I know what the children are up to now. I get Christmas cards from some of them. A really lovely place to work. And one of the best things was always the summer fete, which used to be held at Heel House. And Guy, who was the owner and still is the owner of the house, was wonderful in that, you know, he allowed us all the grounds. We... um could park anything anywhere. We used to have a jazz band. My brother would play his jazz music. It was just a great, great community place to work. So was Woodford the first school you did the dunking of the head teacher to raise money? <laughs> yes, it was the first place I did the dunking of the head teacher. And that was always a very popular thing. So when I went to um, Highbury, later Manor Fields, I continued that tradition. Um, I'm not so certain that I'm so pleased to say that my husband would always pay for a whole bucket of water to pour over my head and when I retired from Manor Fields uh, the staff also paid for buckets as well so you know it, they obviously were getting their own back on me. So then you moved to Highbury yeah um, obviously very close to where you grew up and dad went to Highbury when he was a child was it was it strange being in the head teacher's office uh, of a school that you knew growing up? It was very strange. I mean, my oldest brother, Jim, had been to Highbury, so he was an ex-pupil. Um, and the school was quite big. So my first ambition, really, when I went there was to learn the names of every child in the school. So we'd gone from 100 and something, finally, at, at Woodford Valley to being 250 children. And um, it the, the children were lovely, but they were very quiet. They hadn't been encouraged to ask questions to do some of the things I was used to doing with the children at, at Woodford. So we started to change that sort of feeling that every child should not say things unless they were asked, really asked to say, to open up discussion with them. 
And by Christmas, I knew all of their names. So that made life much better. I also knew most of the boys' football teams. So we shared that in common because football was very important to a lot of the, the boys, particularly in the school. And the, the staff were, were wonderful. Um, some of the teaching assistants had been at the school for years. Some of them had actually been parents when I was teaching their children my first time at Highbury. You know, so they knew the school really well. And they could tell me things that some of the teachers couldn't tell me because the teachers were sometimes newer in, in the staff. And then the move of the whole school, not very far, but into a brand new building, which you had a hand in what went where and how it was built. And that must have been fun design kind of building a school from scratch oh, it was very very exciting i mean the, the old building at highbury was lovely in so many ways but it was damp there was asbestos in the building we had no green field at all apart from the field where the school was eventually built and taking reception children down the winding path the steps and the manhole covers that sometimes were removed by young people having fun um, it was really difficult, you know, to take reception children down, to have no toilets accessible. So the chance to have a new school on that field was was wonderful. And the staff and I just had great fun saying where we wanted everything to be. It's not wasn't perfect, but it was what we wanted at the time. Would that rank amongst your best achievements as a head teacher, or or if not, what would? I think that we had a real shock just before we moved to the new school in that the school was placed in special measures, which was a terrible shock to all of us because um, complaints were made about the behaviour of the children and we had really worked hard on behaviour of children and we didn't recognise the school that Ofsted told us that we had. Um, and when the local authority came to look round, they couldn't see the behaviour problem, but we had to accept it and work hard to get out of that that so um I think my biggest achievement probably was first of all telling the parents the parents were fantastic they didn't believe what Ofsted said either and they were very very supportive of me and finally just before I retired the school was removed from special measures and the HMI at the time said um that he was really pleased for me personally because he couldn't see necessarily the things that the previous team had seen when he came to look at the behaviour of the school. But moving into the new building, we, we walked down from the old building with balloons and my ex-admin officer, Jenny Luther, cut the ribbon and we went into the new school. And uh, about three weeks later, we were able to allow the children out onto the field at playtime because it was springtime and it was dry. And I can honestly say I cried when I saw the children using the playground. So what was your favourite thing about the new school? What was the favourite thing that you, you were able to get put in that you hadn't had before at the old Well, the, the school council had said that they wanted to have a really fantastic playground and um, we raised enough money to put a track right the way around the edge of the field with climbing frames and all those lovely things that they'd never had before. And uh, that was the best thing, I think. We, we tried to involve the children as much as we possibly could in what was happening in the school. Um, they helped dig the foundations and all that sort of thing. So, you know, it was that was exciting. Um, that was the way I wanted the school to be, that we it wasn't just my job. It was all of us as part of the same group to get, you know, what we wanted. So we'll go back to the area that you grew up. And it's changed very much since since you were a child, the... the um, 
the markets moved, the gas tower, the gas works, all the kind of industry of that area of Salisbury is gone. Um, is there any parts that you miss from that part of Salisbury that aren't there anymore? Kind of, even if it's just the gas tower missing on the horizon when you walk down past Waitrose and stuff. The thing I miss the most are the poplar trees at the Met, what we called the Meds. Um, the Meadows was where we spent all our childhood days. We, the paddling pool was there. Um, it was like the beach in the summer because so many mums would take us over and we'd have picnics and go up and down the paddling pool avoiding the leeches when we could not slipping up. We would hold hands and make waves. But the poplar trees were sort of iconic, I guess. And, um, you know, I missed that sight of seeing them around that field. Um, I met my husband around that area. You know, all of those places were really important to us. My gran had her fates there. Uh, it, it was a really, really special place. And I, I miss those trees. And we should probably talk about my gran or your mum a little bit. Yeah. Um, very well known in Salisbury, um, a local councillor for that area of town. Um, very proud of your mum, I suspect. I am. And um, when I was growing up, it was I was probably one of the only people in school, and especially at primary school, to have a mother who worked. So she was very unusual in that respect. And she... She could do most things. I mean, she could play the piano really well by ear. Um, and she just was one of those people who got on with people. And I think that I learned that from her. So when I was at Woodford Valley and the governing body was made up of Lady This and Lord That, and it didn't faze me because I was used to my mum being able to talk to anybody and be polite to anybody, but be interested in people too. She, she was a great mum. And also, I mean, there aren't many people who sat down and every night wrote a little bit of a book, which finally was published, you know. And she was very ambitious for me when I said at school that I wanted to be a nanny and the head teacher said, no, no, you could be a teacher. I didn't believe it because I was at secondary modern school. But she and my dad said, well, your head teacher said it. So come on, let's get you to that place. And there weren't many mums who did that either. And it was hard for her because my dad died when I was 17. And she was still determined that I would go and become what I wanted to be. So your family, let's get, we should talk about <laughs> your family a little bit. Four children, four grandchildren, raging in age from two to 19. Um, obviously retired now, so you enjoy your time with your grandchildren. I'm Less so with your children. <laughs> love my time with all of you um you know i i am proud of all my children and all the things they've they've achieved our eldest son had special needs and he struggled sometimes but he, you know he works and he's always earning money um he's never not worked if he can help it um people have followed their dreams and ambitions which haven't always been the ones that i might have chosen for them but it's not my life it's their life uh the two who are married have got really happy relationships and our grandchildren are just delightful and we have a really good relationship with all of them, I hope, um, and lots of fun. I, I really love having the youngest one to play sand and water and glue and stick and and I love my older granddaughter because she's becoming a teenager and we have some very interesting discussions and Nathaniel loves his football. So, you know, we have that in common too. So we, we you know, I have a lovely time with my grandchildren. I'm very lucky. 
and a season ticket holders at Southampton. I have been. Whether we will be continuing that, it's really difficult to know what to do because I do love going to football, but who knows what the future is going to bring with it. It's um, it's a difficult question to answer at the moment. For the noise in the background is mum's dog helping himself to lots of water. My retirement present yeah, yeah. from my school. I mean, I've been retired 10 years, so he's, he's an old fella now, but that was the best... The best retirement party anybody ever had in the world, I think. Um, so a little bit more about football. What what got you into football in the first place? I had three older brothers, Jimmy, Keith and Stephen. And Stephen and Jim were both really, really good footballers. So I got interested in football then. I think Steve was a supporter of Spurs. Jim was that much older than me. I don't really know who he supported, but that's where I started. Then, um, you know, we were lucky enough to have a TV. So occasionally you could see football on the BBC uh, because there wasn't anything else in those days. Um, I would always watch the FA Cup final. I loved Liverpool when I was growing up because I loved the way they played football. And then um, in 1966, I had a TV. So uh, Mr Munns could come and watch the Cup final, the, the World Cup final on our TV. And I guess our relationship went on from there. At college, I made lots of friends who were men because I would watch football match of the day on a Saturday night when, you know, nobody else was. So I made lots of friends at college through football too. But some some really exciting times down at St Mary's since you've been a season ticket holder. Oh yeah, we you know, there've been some some really good times and some really dire times. We were there when Leicester beat us nil nine, you know, and um that was a dreadful night. But there have been some exciting times and to see them promoted and just about maintaining their their place in the in the Premiership has been fantastic. I mean, this year we're really quite safe, so it's been quite different this season to not have to worry about whether we're going to be relegated or not. So um, I'm ever hopeful that we're going to continue to make good progress. So let's talk about Salisbury a little bit more. So if you had to pick one place in Salisbury to go and kind of relax and escape from whatever that you need to escape from be that grandchildren <laughs> children or um dad um where where would your place in Salisbury be that that probably is a little bit underrated well <laughs> during lockdown particularly I have really really come to love what we call locally the dump it's now called the Avon Valley Nature Reserve um because it's just so full of wildlife down there and I'm always always interested in wildlife and I think that comes from my dad when I was about 12 13 my dad would take me to the woods every week with my little brother on a Sunday it would be the thing that we did we go and look at see what was happening around us and and I guess that still stays with me and I do the same with my grandchildren they know not to touch the hogweed they know where the nettles are but um, it's been full of all sorts of things that you've had time to look at because you know the walks have been a bit longer so you've had time to stand and stare and it's a really good place for reflection it's a good place to just appreciate what the is in the world around us and it's been a real solace sometimes when there have been worries or or cares in the world that you can just go and escape from it all and is is that a similar place where the love of gardening comes from I, my love of gardening, I think, comes from my mum. She would grow anything anywhere. You know, she could find a, an old bin or a basket. She would put something in it. And um, we had friends here for a cup of tea on 
on Saturday and they said, Anne, can you fit anything else into this garden? And I said, well, there's always a pot, Janet. You know, I can always find somewhere to add another plant. I think that's where it comes from. My dad was the vegetable gardener. My mum was the flower gardener. And other than your time at, at college and down in Southampton teaching, never been tempted to leave? Never. I love Salisbury and I know that it's got all sorts of issues and uh, it's easy to blame Salisbury for those things. I think one of the difficulties for Salisbury is it's called a city, but it's really a market town. And when I was growing up, it was very much uh, an agricultural town. The market square had the cattle market. You know, There were saddlers and corn merchants all those sorts of shops around the place. And those have all gone. So people forget that it's just really a little market town. And unless we all use the shops and the restaurants and the cafes, they will close because we're not going to get the big shops that people really want because there's just not the footfall to support it. But I love it. So, But if you could change one thing about Salisbury, would, would that be some people's attitudes or would it be something physical? I think that we do need to fill up the high street because that's where all the tourists go. I think we probably do need some more hotels, though people loathe that idea often. And I do think that the Market Square could be the big, vibrant place. It's used much more than it was for all sorts of things. But if we could get all the shops and buildings around the Market Square filled, um, then it would look better. I love Fisherton Street because it's got so many independent shops in it. And when I take friends into Fisherton Street, they love its sort of quaintness, if you like. I think we need to make it a place where people want to be. And whether that's doing community things in the Market Square, whether it's having some of the shops used for community use, um, some places have done that in other places. I think Froome is a place that's really upped its game in terms of use of the, the, the centre. And I think that might be something that we ought to be looking at. And if I asked you to, to pitch Salisbury to a visitor or someone who was thinking about living here, what, what would you say about Salisbury to convince someone to come and live here? That it has a good community, that you can walk around Salisbury and meet people that you know and share ideas with that there is a very good theatre, uh, that you can see great musical acts in town if, if you take time to look what's going on at the City Hall, and that it has lots for young people if you know where to look. I do think we need to do more things for young people so that they have got opportunities to go to more youth clubs, do more sporting things. The big thing against Salisbury, I guess, is the price of housing. And that makes life difficult for younger people who want to stay here. Um, and jobs are not really very well paid in the area. So you have to find jobs that, that people can do. I think that's the big thing that Salisbury really needs. More, more small industries, but perhaps not at church fields. <laughs> <laughs> OK, thanks, Mum. <laughs> thanks then to my mum and Muns for the interview today next time on the my salisbury podcast we talk to frog moody historian director author and city councillor join us again next week for another my salisbury podcast